Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We need to all be aware of that within the the realm of of our walk with the Lord, that there is a place for people to correct us. There's a place for Christians to be corrected by other Christians, not just pastors, right? As brothers and sisters, when we see things wrong, there's a place when I see someone that's living in a way that's outside the word to say, hey, man, you know better than that. My kids can correct me. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of spirit. It's a matter of the word. If my kids see me doing something out of sync with the word, they have a right to say, hey, dad, what you doing? Are you a teachable person? It can be humbling to be corrected by others, but everyone needs a nudge from time to time. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that correction from the Lord can come in the form of correction from brothers and sisters in Christ. It makes the body of Christ stronger and better when we keep each other in check. Sometimes the truth is hard to hear, but know that it's for the best. Will you keep an open mind when corrected by others in the body of Christ? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You're either in Christ or not. There is no middle ground, right? There's no place in the middle. There's no, um, some people are like, well, I'm still kind of deciding, I'm processing. I want you to understand what that means, right? If you're, if you're processing, you've said no, right? You're outside. You're, you're not saved. You, so there are people that feel like they have this space of, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm taking it in. You know, I'm just going to process that. Stuff. I heard what you said. I'm, I'm processing it. And I'll let them know. I say, I want you to understand why you're processing everything. You're saying no to the Lord, right? That's your, your process right now. And I liken it to this because it makes sense to us, right? Any man here that has proposed to a woman, you had a little bling you bought, you know, you made a sacrifice. You got on your knee if you did it right. You had some smooth, smooth lines that you said, if you did it right. And once you got done doing all that, you were totally exposed. I mean, she could say yes or no. You know, and, and there is really no other acceptable. If you if you on your knee with a bling out saying how much you love her and want to spend the rest of your life with her. And she says, I'm processing this. I need a I need a week to process. That's a no. That's a no. Right. That's a that's a fail. She says, I don't know. Let me let me think about it. That's a no. Anything other than what? Anything other than yes is no is unacceptable. Right. Getting back my ring. <laughs> I take it back. I take it all back. I ain't mean, you know, whatever. So anything other than yes is no. That's the reality. So so with Jesus, right, hung out on a cross, stretched out for you and for me, shed his blood, died in your place to say to save you. And once you've heard that message and understand that he did that, anything other than yes, Lord. Yes, I receive you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Please forgive me. Please. Re- anything other than yes to him is no. It's a slap in the face. So we want to be careful that you don't have time. You can't, be, you can't be processing and thinking about stuff. And, you know, you need this a decision. You, you receive the Lord or you reject the Lord. Amen. And so uh, and that's why there's no middle ground. You either disqualified or you're in, you're in the faith. So moving on. Verse six, Paul says, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. That's important. We. Because Paul is saying, look, I, I, I trust that you'll know that we are not disqualified. Paul is aligning himself with them. He's basically saying, I believe that y'all are saved. I, I know he knew he was saved. And when he says, I, I trust that you'll know that we are not disqualified, that we're, 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 I'm in this with you guys still. He's not, Paul's not trying to cast doubt on their salvation by the things that he's saying. And so I just want you to catch that. Verse 7, he says, now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may be 
though we may seem disqualified. He said, look, I want you guys to do what's right. I want you guys to do evil, not so that we look good. It's not Paul. I'm I'm asking these things so that, you know, so that impacts how we look. Um, I want you guys to be right for your own sake. It's not so that we look good. It's for your sake. I want you guys to be doing well. Verse eight, for we can do nothing against the truth before the truth. And Paul's whole ministry was about the truth. He was a minister of the word of God. He preached the truth. He said, look, I can't, I won't do anything, anything against the truth. There's, there's anything that we're doing here. We're not dealing with lies or made up things. We're dealing in the truth. He says, we can't do anything against the truth, but we do. We, we work for the truth. We're, that's our interest is for what's right, for what's true. Verse nine, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Paul says, we're glad when we're weak, but you're strong, right? The idea there is this, Paul says, look, I don't need to look like we're all that. And y'all, if y'all are, y'all are strong and we look weak, we're good with that. We just want you guys to be strong. And he, 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 he finishes up that, that statement saying that you may also be made complete. If you look up that word complete at the end of verse nine, it's the idea there is strengthening, a perfecting of the soul through training, discipline, and instruction. He's basically saying, I want you guys to be mature. Which is what any minister, any pastor would want. You want to see the people that you're pouring into and ministering to. You want to see them grow to a place of maturity. Because uh, there's strength in maturity. There's a, there's a, there's a consistent there's a value in maturity that is not there in immaturity. Right? If you see somebody that's you know, in the faith, or even with kids, I'll use that for instance. If you see kids that are just always doing silly things and whatever, it's like, they're immature. You know, we know that in time they'll mature. They'll grow up a little bit. They'll get a little better. Spiritual maturity is important, too. You see people that are spiritually immature, easily offended. A lot of the things you see in the flesh, you know, disagreeable, more carnal and fleshy. They're they're spiritually immature. But want to see you be made complete. Want to see you mature. Want to see you get to a place where you can you can take some difficult things. And the maturity that Christ has developed in you will enable you to handle a difficult thing. I, you know what? That's a difficult thing I'm dealing with. But thank God he's, I'm growing and I'm maturing in my faith. And so though I'm going through this difficult time, the, the maturity that I have doesn't cause me to walk away from the Lord. Doesn't cause me to take a hiatus on God. It causes me to press into God even more. That's what maturity will do. Maturity will it'll change how you manage and deal with the difficult things that happen over the course of your walk with the Lord. See somebody that's saved and something bad happened and they, they turn away from God or they get mad at God. It's immaturity. You know, what you want to do is turn towards him and press into him like Job did. Fall down and worship him. That, that's an evidence of maturity. God, I'm, I'm going to press into you through what I'm going through. And so Paul says, man, my heart for you guys is that you guys would be complete. You guys would mature. You guys would grow to that place. Verse 10. Therefore, I write these things being absent, least being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not destruction. And so again, he says, I'm writing these things to you while I'm absent from you. I'm not present with you guys. At least being present, he said, I'll use sharpness. I don't want to have to come and, and like get at y'all with sharp speech. Um, I don't want to have to come and be, you know, talking to y'all with difficult words. I remember um, when I was a kid, and I think they still do it now. They do, you know, when it was report card time in my school, they did parent-teacher conferences, and, you know, for, you know, if you're a bad kid, you, you loathe that day. That was the, that was like the day where all the homework I lied and said I did was going to be exposed. And all them days my mom said on my way out to go play, is your homework done? Yeah, yeah, I did it on the way to school, mom. And I go outside and ride my bike. Well, that was going to be the day of reckoning, right? And usually for me, almost, almost throughout elementary, you know, whenever there was a parent teacher conference, it was almost always followed with a spanking. 
because that's, that's what my mom would go and find out all the stuff I was doing. And it was it was it would be a horrible ride on my sister is a year older than me. So my sister would get straight A's and her teacher would be singing her praises and she's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she would go to my conferences and it was like he's spitting spitballs. He's eating in class. He's missing assignments, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and we get in the car and my mom is my sister's getting ice cream. I'm getting threats and, and, and evil looks, you know, whatnot. But there was one year, and I remember it, <laughs> it was just one year. I had a, I had a fifth grade teacher named Miss Beasley over at St. Eugene. And for whatever reason, she had got through to me. She had, you know, through, a, through manipulating my recess and playtime and some other things, she had gotten a hold of me to where I was, I was obedient to her. I mean, I was going to do my work. I'm not going to play. She just, she wasn't having it. She had figured me out, right? So I, I was so excited that time, that year, that those parent-teacher conferences, I was like, you know, I should be getting some video games and some stuff, you know. I was excited for my mom to go meet with her and, and, and hear how well I was doing. I was all up in her business, checking up the days before. You're going to tell my mom, that blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm making sure it's going to be real good. That was the one time I can remember I was looking forward to it. Here's the thing. Whatever I was going to deal with with my mother was going to be a direct result of what I had done wasn't really going to be her fault she was going to be reacting to what I had done so rather or not she got in the car and said oh you did a good job and let's go get frozen yogurt that was Hawthorne Mall we used to go to frozen yogurt place there back in the back in the day uh that was the treat you know or you know don't say nothing for the rest of the car ride when you get home go straight to your room that meant just go wait I'm coming and I'm coming I'm coming to see about you you know um, but that was going to be based on what I had done. Paul is saying, look, when I come, I don't want to have to use Sarsby. If I do, it's going to be based on what you did. It's going to be your fault. It's not going to be, it's not what I want to do. He, he recognizes the authority that God gave him is for their edification. But if need be, there would be correction. We need to all be aware of that within the, the realm of, of our walk with the Lord, that there is a place for people to correct us. There's a place for Christians to be corrected by other Christians, not just pastors, right? As brothers and sisters, when we see things wrong, there's a place when I see someone that's living in a way that's outside the word to say, hey, man, I, you know better than that. My kids can correct me. It's not a matter of age. It's a matter of spirit. It's a matter of the word. If my kids see me doing something out of sync with the word, they have a right to say, hey, dad, what you doing? The word says I'm not going to shoot them. I can't shoot them down if they're correct. You know, you know that you just have to receive that. So age is irrelevant. There's not a it's not levels. And it's not like, well, I'm a pastor and, you know, you're you're not. So you can't say nothing. No, we've, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And as brothers and sisters, if we see things not right. We have a right to go and say, hey, bro, let me talk to you. Pull your side, chop it up, do it in love. Give them scripture, encourage them. You know, hey, this is this is. What I see, this is what should be. I'm pointing out to you in love. We all owe that to one another. It, it, it should make all of us stronger and better if we can receive it. Amen? Amen. Problem is if you can't receive it. Problem is if you go grab a brother and say, hey, bro, so why are you all my business, man? You know, now you got to beat him up at church and then, you know, <laughs> just kidding. You know, that never happens. You know, but hopefully we'll have the heart that says, hey, I, I'm receiving those things that are beneficial. And I can tell you that over my over the time of my walk with the Lord, the there are things that have punched me like bam, it, it, ooh, that stung. But it was, it, you know, what it stung because it was true. Like it, it rung true when I heard it. It rung true when it was said to me, and it was like, you know, what I just got to receive that. I just got to take that. You'll also know if you hear something that's not true. 
when things aren't true, they ring not true. I've had people just being just making up stuff, you know. Hey, bro, I suspect. And I'm like, mm, nah. I had a guy. I was at another church and I had the minister there tell me and I was all excited. He said he had something he really wanted to talk to me about. And I was like, you know, I was excited, man. <laughs> Word from the Lord or something. I believe in the gifts, you know. And I went and he said, man, there's a there's a there's a there's a woman here. So just I discern there's someone here that that. That you, that you know, she's you don't really you you're not you're not involved in anything, but you just kind of you noticed her and and I was like, huh? And I mean, I'm I'm being honest. I, I was like, I, I ain't seen nobody worth looking at here. You know, tell the truth. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm like, nah. I, and then I trip and I'm starting looking like I wonder. I don't know. And I was like, no. And and I was there and I left there and I'm like. I ain't never stumbled over nobody here, man. I'm like, that was bogus. That was that was in your head somewhere, you know. But he was he brought me in to tell me that. And I was I remember thinking like I had to start I started looking like, no, I wouldn't jump over her. Nah, nah, not that either. Like, that's a bogus word, you know. So we gotta be careful, you know. The things that are true, they will just ring true. If you got a bad attitude and a fleshy mindset and somebody comes and say, hey, you know, you're going to hear it. And the Holy Spirit's already been saying it. And it's going to go ding, 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 ding. You're going to know it's true. And that's when you just say, you know, I received that, man. I'm going to submit to the Lord in that. Pray for me. You know, hold me accountable. Let's talk about it. You know, and we want to walk with each other. You know, we want to be gracious and walk with each other. Because if I'm doing good and you're doing good and he's doing good and she's doing good, the more of us that are doing well, the better equipped we'll be to accomplish God's purpose for us as a church, as a fellowship. Amen. So it's, it's, it behooves all of us to be doing awesome together. Uh, no one's trying to be doing awesome and look down on someone else that's not doing as awesome. We're trying to bring everybody up to be doing awesome together because that's what God would want. That's what would please God the most. And so that has to be the heart of the believer, the heart of leadership, the heart of, of everybody that we're, we're trying to grow in Christ together that we might as a body really glorify him, that we might be a great representation of him on the earth. Verse 10, verse 10. Therefore, I write these things that, yeah, that's what I just read. Being absent, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification, not for destruction. Verse 11 now. Here goes his final closing exhortations to them. So finally, brethren, um, he says, farewell. He's, he's getting ready to depart from them. I notice he calls them brethren because it can be skipped over with all the corrections. But he say, finally, brethren, we family. Y'all my brethren. We going to heaven together. He's recognizing them as brethren. Farewell. And here go the exhortations. First, he says, become complete. Second time he tells them, basically, I want, I want you guys, man, Growing, growing your maturity, be, become complete. Let's continue to grow in, in, in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. But he says, become complete. The verb that's used there is the same one used in Matthew 4, 21, when Jesus was telling them to mend the nets together. Um, it, it's, it's taking something that's not in a good condition and putting it back together healthy. He said, man, mature, keep, keep maturing, keep growing, keep being made complete. That's the idea there. Second admonition or second exhortation from him is, be of good comfort to one another. I'm sorry, be of good comfort. I'm sorry. And the idea there is, you know, they, they've been receiving some difficult things. They've been exhorted. They've been challenged. When he says be of good comfort, I, I believe it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's really the idea of, of receive the exhortations that have been given out to you guys. Receive these things. The next one is to be of one mind. That's the idea of walking in unity, that we would be one. One heart, one mind. There's unity is critical for any group, particularly the church of God. He says, be of one 
mind. How do we become of one mind? We got to be believing in the same book. We got to be believing in the Lord the same way. And there is a unity of the spirit that God, God will work among a group of people that are saying, if I lay down all my agendas and you lay down all your agendas and say, look, our agenda is the glory of God, it'll be so easy to be unified. When we come together under that banner of just, we just want to please God. And if right now to please God, you got to let it go or I got to let it go, we're going to be willing to let it go to please God. Now we're unified and we're going we're gonna to love each other. It's a choice. And um, I'm really praying for us as a body, as a group, that we would, as we mature, as we grow, as we put our hands to the plow together, that that would, that we would grow in that. that there'd be a genuineness of our love for one another and a unity, not a fraudulent unity, but a, a, a genuine unity of the spirit, that there'd be a unifying that Christ does as people love him together. There's a unity that you can create, a fraudulent unity where I was going to get together and just I'm just going to ignore certain things. There's a unity that God does that's, that's deeper than that. Well, I genuinely love you with all your flaws and you genuinely love me with all of mine. And we look beyond the Bible says that, that love covers what? Most of the sins. So, you know, you, you, you can't get a big enough group of people together. We're different. Right. God wants it that way, that most of the guys I serve with, they're not like me. Me and Clint are different. We're the same, but different. Me and Clint and Gabe, that's a that's a trio. Like neither one of us are the same, but we we serve and we we're serving together with unity. You know, we've never I've, we've never had a a, a a issue. You know, we we just serving together. The focus is the Lord. We get together. We love each other. We you know we, we have vision. We talk. We discuss. We run things through, and then we we get to it together. May the Lord continue to do that among all of us. Just just a unity among us. That we be at one mind. This says, live in peace. The opposite is, 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 is going to be, it's not going to be good. Says, I want you guys to live in peace. You know, that's among one another. Be it, be in, live in peace. The Bible tells us to, as much as it's possible with you, to be at peace with all men. Some people are contentious by nature. They ain't got peace nowhere. They, they got arguments at work, arguments at church, arguments with their neighbors, Arguments at the store, they can't even stand the gas attendant. They, everywhere they go, they just contented people. You need Jesus if that's you. Um, God says, I want you to live in peace. And you'll find that some people can be in the same scenario and they just have peace everywhere. It's them, right? Contentious people, people that have contentions everywhere, they can blame everybody they want to blame. If you're somebody right here listening, you got contentions everywhere you go, it's you. God is my witness. It's you. If you Everywhere you go, you got contentions and fights and, and it's you. I guarantee you it's you. If you would just stop doing what you do, you have peace. God says, live at peace. How do you get to a place where you live at peace? I, I believe it's easy, right? People that I find that are always arguing, always fighting, always, they're very prideful people that are, they're, they're, they're very concerned with themselves. How themselves are going to look. How, how's that going to make me look? You know, I, I got to say something because you know, you're not going to make me look dumb. So I got to speak up. I got to let you know something where I want to have my way. You find a man or a woman that died of himself, they could be at peace with everybody. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying to one up you. I'm not trying to just, I've died to myself. My, my goal is Jesus. If you struggle with that, the, the word from the Lord for you is die to yourself. As you get out of the way, the Prince of Peace who lives in you will cause you to live at peace. You will finally be at peace when you die to yourself and let Christ rule and reign in your heart because he's at peace. He's at peace in the midst of war. Because it's who he is. He doesn't have peace. He is peace. So he who is peace lives in you. And if you would die to yourself, you would be at peace. Finally. And I promise you, you like it a lot better than being in contentions everywhere you go. 
Amen. Then he promises. Those are the those are the exhortations. Right. Um, Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the promise and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, we know that God is always with us. But when the Bible promises us in this way, he says he'll be with you in a manifest way. He'll be with you in a more evident way as you live this way. And I'm, I'm sure all of us would love to see the Lord just it, 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 his manifest presence in our life in a, in a greater way. God says, so then live this way. I want to show up in your life. And, and I'm everywhere anyway, but I want to show up in a greater way. I think of Second, Second Chronicles 16.9 that says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking for those whose hearts are loyal or, or, or hearts are loyal to him that he might show himself strong on their behalf. And I was like, I'm looking, scan the earth for those whose hearts are loyal to me that I can show myself strong on their behalf. I can do great things in them and through them for my glory. Then he says in verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. I must speak on that real quick. <laughs> um, now, this is like in this area be like in Italy. You know, you see Italy people greet. They still today. They, they do each other like that. It's, it's not nothing freaky. It's, that's how they greet. That's the acceptable cultural greeting in that part of the world. For most of us here, that's not what we do. And so but the idea here, if we could take the idea from it, the idea is that when we as believers, we gather together that there be there be tangible love that we share in a culturally acceptable way. Um, we might have a holy handshake. You know, I, I'm a hugger. I hug people. Uh, if you're a woman, I hug you on the side. You know, nothing freaky. I only hug my wife in the front. I hug men. I shake out, take them up like this. I hug them not too long, you know, two seconds break, you know, or whatever. But the idea is this. When, we, when believers come together, it should just be clear that we love each other. Nothing weird, nothing, nothing like that. But, but it should be evident that there's a love that we share with family. It's the family of God. And that there should be a love that we share for one another that's evident among us when we gather together. And so he said for them, it was a holy kiss. Right. Whatever it is that it would be holy, that there wouldn't be no, no, no weird stuff. You know, but y'all understand what I'm saying? There should be you should people walk in here. They should walk out and say, man, they, they loved on me today. You know, as believers, you might get out there and I had a rough week. I was going through it at work and I was having all this kind of warfare. When you come here. It should, you should just get loved on. You should just be, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to two services. I need double dose, you know. That should be the result. People should just, we should love on each other in such a way that people leave here just saying, man, I'm, I needed that. I, I was encouraged through fellowship and just being with my brothers and sisters. I'm ready to go back out and, and get back to it. Uh, people shouldn't leave the gathering beat up. This shouldn't be the war. This should be the hospital. We should be here getting mended up and built up and loved on. Amen. So we all got to be a part of doing that. So that, that's the idea here. Everybody here is we're part of loving on each other together. Last couple things. Verse 13. All the saints greet you. And in this little closing doxology, it's one of the few places in scripture where we have all three members of the Trinity mentioned together. It says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, the son and the love of God. That's the father and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We have, you know, some of oh, the Trinity is not in the Bible. Well, you know, the word Trinity, but but the, but the three persons of the Trinity are there. You see him at the baptism of Jesus where the God, the son, Jesus is baptized. God, the father speaks from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And God, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. They're all three there. Here we have, you know, where Paul closes this book and says, man, the grace that, that's that's what God gives to all that look to him. Grace, unmerited, undeserved favor from God upon our lives. He says, may his grace, 
the undeserved favor of God, the undeserved goodness of God, the undeserved goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.